Welcome to Think Bible, the podcast that exists to challenge, edify, and encourage Christian women to think and live biblically, all for the glory of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome, friends, to the Think Bible podcast. I'm Stephanie Smith, and today I'm here with my friend, Carlene Murphy. Carlene, we're so glad that you've been able to join us today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited about this. Yeah. So Carlene is a pastor's wife. Her husband, Matt, pastors a little church in Utah, and that's where we have gotten to know them as we've traveled on our mission uh, work, doing different projects and speaking in churches and whatever. That was where we met Matt and Carlene. And it's been a joy to get to know them a little bit, to see their family as they grow up. Carlene, would you like to tell us about your family? Sure. We have a house full of boys. We've got seven boys and two girls, and they range in age from four to 18. So our two oldest are in Bible college and the others are at home. So I stay busy keeping up with them and homeschooling and with the various ministries that we're involved in at church and in our community. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing to me that your boys are in college, those older ones, because I remember when you all first moved to Utah, they were just little guys. Yes, (laughs) yes. Our, Our one daughter was playing the piano in church alongside me this last Sunday. And I told our folks, I remember it feels like just a couple years ago, I was rocking her in her car seat with my foot while I played, <laughs> while I played the piano when we first got here. And now she's playing the piano. Yeah, what a blessing. That's neat. <laughs> well, I specifically invited Carlene to our podcast today because... Um, Just a few years ago, I went to her church with another group of ladies for just a ladies fellowship, a luncheon time, and she shared a devotional on the armor of God, which you probably know is found in Ephesians chapter six. And it was just a blessing to my heart. I remember feeling that it was well done and well thought out. And as I was studying our theme of preparation for Think Bible, I thought, the armor of God is an important part of our preparation um, for spiritual warfare, for life in this sin-cursed world that Christians still have to live. It's important to understand this concept and what it all means. And so I asked Carlene if she would be willing to share that with you today, and she agreed. So I'm kind of just going to turn it over to her. I might have some questions along the way, but we're going to let Carlene share with us what God's put on her heart. So several years ago, I decided that I wanted to do a study on the armor of God because I realized that I didn't really know that much about it. I'd heard a number of messages and they all seemed to run along the lines of wake up every day, pull on this magical armor and life will be good. And I just Mm -hmm. wasn't content with that idea because the passage specifically talks about one of the pieces being Um, the helmet of salvation. And I thought, wait a minute, am I supposed to put on salvation every day? That sounds like me making my salvation work. And that doesn't fit with the rest of the Bible. So the more I studied each aspect of the armor, and the more 
to fit Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 in the context of the Bible as a whole, the more I saw the person of Jesus reflected mm-hmm. in the armor. Yeah. So I came That's to good. the conclusion, yeah. I came to the conclusion that it's not some sort of a self-help, pull myself up by the bootstraps of the gospel of peace, talk Mm -hmm. myself into being a better Christian 12-step improvement program, because that doesn't fit with the gospel of grace by faith spelled out in the whole Bible. Instead, I think the passage is an invitation to get to know the God of my salvation And the help he graciously provides in all of my times of needs. Mm. So with that in mind, I actually started in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, as kind of a springboard before I even got to Ephesians. Okay. So 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the salvation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy. So be holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And I was really struck with how the language of those verses is echoed in Ephesians chapter six. And they kind of seem in some ways like parallel passages. Mm -hmm. And so as I studied through that and I, I looked up the different phrases in the original language and tried to understand the context and what the original hearers would have been hearing when Peter was saying, gird up the loins of your mind, or as other translations say, prepare your minds for action. I thought that was that was just a really strong idea. And Mm -hmm. when I started looking at that word prepare, I learned that it is made up of two root words and it really carries an idea of repetitive action. So Mm -hmm. it's not a once for all kind of a thing. It's kind of like exercise. Just because I exercised you know, somewhere in my distant past doesn't count for exercise today. It's something that has to be done on a daily basis. So this gathering up of my thoughts, the way Peter describes it, is something that's repeatedly necessary in my life. It's something I have to continue to do so that I will purposely focus on Christ and his coming instead of being distracted by everything that's going on around me. Good. Yeah, that makes really good sense to have to repeat these things right right so then he says therefore preparing your minds for action or gird up the loins of your mind be sober and that idea of sober-mindedness is actually a spiritual self-restraint and that's echoed in luke chapter 12 verses 34 through 37 where jesus is talking about where your treasure is there will your heart be also And the idea is that if we're busy looking forward to Christ's return, that's going to radically change how we view the events that are taking place in our lives today, whether it's on a world scale or a national level or just the issues that we face with our family every day. Having that single-minded pursuit of knowing Christ then causes us to eagerly wait for his coming rather than being but um, being tied up 
fear and worry over what might be happening. Yeah. And I love how Psalm 27 verse 4 in in the, that verse David says one thing I have asked and he basically says to live life in God's presence. Yeah. That doesn't mean that's the only thing he's ever asked God for, but it's his supreme request. It's the top thing on his birthday list. Yeah. You know, he, he wants to be able to live in God's presence. Mm-hmm. And and as the verse first Peter 1 13 through 16 goes on the next phrase that kind of sets up stands out is hope to the end or set your hope fully and that's Mm -hmm. that biblical hope it's a confident expectation that God will do what he says he will do because he's the God that he says he is which is a motivating hope Mm -hmm. it's It's a hope that's built on the knowledge of God's past actions in the pages of the Bible, as well as in the pages of my own life. Mm -hmm. It's knowing that God came through in the past so I can trust him with the future. And I think that that's so powerful to look back over our lives and see the times that God came through for us and have that confidence that he will do that in the future. And then... Perfect, because just my last podcast, um, hopefully our listeners are caught up, (laughs) was with Paula Eamon, who is doing the podcast Cloud of Witnesses, which is exactly what you're just saying. It's looking back at how God has kept his word, kept his promises, and is powerful enough to continue doing that in our lives today. It's amazing. Exactly, exactly. And then that the next phrase in the verse says to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. Mm. And <clears throat> that grace that will be brought at the revelation of Christ is uh, referring to that biblical grace, which is God's power to do his will. But it's mm-hmm. also the goodness of the gifts of God. And this grace specifically mentioned here, the grace that will be brought at the revelation of Christ is the culmination of all the graces, the culmination of God's incredible gifts in the coming kingdom of Christ himself. It's almost Mm -hmm. like saying the best is yet to come. Hold your fork because dessert's on its way. It's coming. That's exciting. Right. And I, I just love the ending of that verse that says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we have done in our lives that we would say, oh, you know, I did that in my ignorance. I just didn't know any better, whether it's things that we did as a child or things that we did as a young adult or a young mom. And now we know better. We know a better way. And that's, that's exactly what Peter is talking about. And he's saying, don't continue to fumble around, you know, and stagger through life the way that you did before. Learn who this God is and let him change you so that you can be a grown-up Christian. Yeah. And I, I love John 14, 15, where Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I was really thinking about that the other day when I was reading over these notes again and just thinking about what the Lord had taught me and thinking, you know, it's not if I love him, I will do it. That that is what it is, you know, in one sense. Mm -hmm. But it's more like my kids do certain things just because 
kids. Mm-hmm. And, and if we look at that as if I'm a lover of Jesus, I'm just going to do what he wants me to do. Yeah. It's just going to be like the apple tree produces apple because apples, because that's what it is. Right. Not because it has to do something special to make itself produce those apples. It just does it. Yeah, that's excellent. So our behavior, our Christ-like behavior is an outgrowth of our relationship with Christ. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the last part of First Peter 1, 13 through 16 says, He who has called you is holy. So be holy in all manner of conversation or in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And again, it's not that idea of a checklist. It's not like Benjamin Franklin deciding that he's going to accomplish all these different virtues perfectly in his life and keeping this massive checklist. It's because the one that I love does things a certain way, because my God does this a certain way, it's going to rub off on me the more time I spend in his presence. Just like we don't purposely set out to become like our friends that we spend a lot of time with, it just naturally happens because we are around them a lot. And so their language rubs off on us and their mannerisms rub off on us. And that's our goal as followers of Christ is that we learn to spend time with him so that he rubs off on us. And with those kinds of thoughts in mind as we approach the armor of God, we just see that this is so much more than I'm just going to get up today and I'm going to be a better Christian than I was yesterday. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of me in that statement. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that idea of there's uh, an illustration in the art world that says, if you want to draw a straight line on a piece of paper, if you're looking at the line and you're trying so hard to draw that line straight to a certain point on your paper, it's going to be wiggly and cattywampus every time. But if you just look at where you're going, if you put the dot on the paper and that's your end point and you start on the left side of your paper and you just look at that dot and draw the line to the dot without looking at the line, but looking at where you want to be, the line will mm-hmm. be straight. Yeah. And I think that's such a great illustration of our walk with the Lord. If we get caught up in, I need to do this and I need to do better about this. I need to love my husband more. I need to be more patient with my kids. Yes, those are all great goals to have, but we lose sight of, I need to grow my relationship with Christ. I need to spend time with him. I need to allow him to just change me, to work out so that others can see on the outside what he's working inside of me. Yeah, that's excellent. I was just talking about something very similar with some ladies yesterday in that if we set out to train children who follow a list of rules, we might be able to produce that. But if our end goal is to train children who fear the Lord and know him, what a much better situation that will be for us and them. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because then they're going to have the, the strength that they need apply their relationship with the Lord in all the different situations that we can't even imagine that they're going to face one day. 
Whereas if we just tell them, you need to look like this, you need to talk like this, this is what you need to do, we're limiting where they can go and how the Lord can use them to an extent. So then as I turn to Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, and this list of these different pieces, you know, first of all, I'm picturing um, Paul, he's probably looking at a Roman soldier um, and he had a lot of experience with that, you know, just looking, looking at this guy and he's saying, wow, this is a really good picture of what Christ does for us. Mm-hmm. And he's, again, going back to that idea of, I don't think that God intended, I don't think that Paul intended for us to feel like we were physically or even mentally putting something on as much as appropriating what we have. Because, yeah, he describes the enemy, you know, Paul describes this enemy, it's demonic forces that have incredible power, but they're invisible. It's something we can't possibly fight on our own. So Paul says, get the armor on, appropriate what you have, use it. And I, I was really struck with how the parts and pieces aren't unique to this one particular Bible passage. There are lots of references to swords, belts, shields, breastplates, mm-hmm. all throughout the Bible. And in other passages, we can find the pieces of armor even described with different virtues, you know, associated with mm-hmm. them. And what I've often in preaching and teaching about the armor of God is breaking down these individual parts and pieces of the armor, and then talking about the pieces of the body that they protect and mm. the, the, how that relates to that corresponding Christian virtue. And I, I think that that's a great way to look at it. But I think that when we break it down into individual pieces, sometimes we can miss that big picture of how Christ himself exemplifies each individual piece. So I, as I looked at other verses that use these kinds of illustrations, I just was amazed at how we can go through the armor of God and we can see Jesus described in those terms in various places throughout the Bible. For example, um, we talk about the belt of truth, put on the belt of truth. Well, in John 14, 6, how does Jesus refer to himself? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right. And when we stop and we think, wow, Jesus is the truth that absolutely holds it all together. And I was thinking about Galatians 5.1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Mm. And I, as I interact in particular with, with young moms and, and I see how easy it is to get entangled with every new idea. I mean, we as moms, I feel like are so inundated with information nowadays. You know, just 18 short years ago when I was bringing, when we were bringing our baby home from the hospital, you know, we still had to rely on books and we still had to rely on having the time to actually open a book and read something if we wanted to 
you know, pick up some parenting tips besides talking to the moms in the church nursery, which is an excellent source. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, we had to actually pick up a book and now you can Google anything. And if we're not Googling it, we're looking at different websites and we're on social media and we're listening to podcasts and we can get so entangled by here's an idea for potty training and there's an idea for potty training and there's an idea for potty training. And before we know it, we're so mixed up. We don't even know how to begin. (laughs) And we're, you know, in some ways we're worse off than when we started. And, and I just love how knowing Jesus, we shall, Jesus said in John 8 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Knowing the truth sets me free so that I'm not tangled up in every new idea that comes along or in the complex daily life issues that bombard me. Mm. And where there's truth, there's liberty and the ability to live above the situations in life. And when we think of the belt of truth being Christ himself, that the more that we know the person of Christ the more we have that grid to sift all the different ideas that come into our lives, we can sift it through that and mm-hmm. know the right thing that God wants us to do. Not the right thing because so-and-so is doing it or because it, you know, it looks good or has this result, but the truth because it comes back to who God is and who his word says that I am and how mm-hmm. I can glorify him and how he's in charge. Those tiny, changeless truths are the truths that hold everything together as the belt of truth. And that comes in knowing the person of truth, which is Christ. Yeah. Excellent. Exactly right. And as we, you know, as we just continue through the different parts of the armor of Christ, we can see those things reflected in in Christ himself in second mm-hmm. corinthians 5:21 it says for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him and i think that's you know one of the most beautiful verses in the whole bible jesus mm-hmm. knew didn't even know sin it was completely foreign to his character and he was made sin. Jesus took my place under the wrath of God so I could take his place in the favor of God. Jesus is my righteousness. We think of the breastplate of righteousness. That's Jesus. He is the breastplate of righteousness because without him, I have no standing before the holy and perfect judge of the universe. And because of Jesus, I can call that holy, righteous judge of the universe, Abba Father. I can call him my daddy and have that oh so personal relationship with him. So Jesus is the truth. He is our righteousness. Mm -hmm. As we continue through the pieces, the one of the trickiest pieces as I was studying this was that whole idea of the shoes of peace. What mm-hmm. in the world? The shoes of peace. <laughs> and it, I, I went back to Luke 2. And mm-hmm. we all are familiar with this. You know, we just got through the Christmas season. How many times did we hear this verse quoted? Glory to God 
-hmm. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. The ESV says peace among those with whom he is pleased. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in the world around Christmas time, we hear that quoted peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And people are always looking for that peace and almost accusing God of being a liar because it's not here. When what that verse is really saying is Jesus came so we could have the opportunity to have peace with Mm -hmm. the righteous judge of the universe Mm -hmm. that in Psalms, you know, it describes God as the righteous judge who feels indignation or who is angry with the wicked every day. God's disposition toward those who have not received the righteousness of Christ is anger, not peace. Mm -hmm. So how great is the gift of Christ in that context that God didn't send his only son in the world as a guarantee that his enemies would automatically be his friends, but so that we could have an opportunity that was not previously available to us. Yeah. And then, so thinking... Jesus is our peace. He's our truth. He is our righteousness. He is our peace. And then we look in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finishing finisher of our faith, because we have the, um, the shield of faith. And again, Mm -hmm. that's Jesus. You know, we can see that, that Jesus is our faith. He's the, he began it and he ended. Jesus is the Mm -hmm. origin of our faith, the one who completes it. He's both the earnest money, like we've all heard that illustration about the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. He's the earnest money. He's the down payment. And he's the final payment. He's he's all of it. He Mm -hmm. is, right, he is our faith. Mm -hmm. And that helmet of salvation, obviously, he is our salvation. 2 Samuel 22, 3 says, the God of my rock in him I will trust. He is my shield. He is my salvation, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. He's he's all of it. He is that salvation. In yeah. Isaiah 12, 2, Isaiah says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust mm-hmm. and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. And then that's echoed again in the New Testament in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Mm -hmm. So he is, it's obviously our helmet of salvation can't be me doing something. I can't just put this on. And as we, as we sift our worldview and our daily thoughts through that idea that Jesus is my salvation, that mm-hmm. that gets me through whatever the hard thing is I have for today, as well as facing God in the future and being able to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, because I'm closed in Christ, in his righteousness, not mm-hmm. in my in, in my own self. Yeah. And then then the passage closes in Ephesians 6 with the the word and I love and John where he says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us Mm -hmm. obviously the word is Jesus Christ himself 
So mm-hmm. we see, I like to just summarize it, the armor as Jesus is truth. He is my righteousness. He came to make peace with God. He is the author and finisher of my faith. He is my salvation. He is the word of God incarnate. Jesus mm-hmm. is my armor. Oh, that's, that's powerful. It really is. Um, I was just looking as you were talking through all that about, it's not so much something we do every day, but it's our relationship with Christ. And even the language indicates that, but I had not noticed it before where it says, stand therefore having your loins girt. That's passive. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Right. That's not something I'm doing. That is something that is done to me as God opens my eyes and gives me the grace for salvation. That's just right. Really really powerful. Mm -hmm. Right. And we just, we kind of get, we get hung up on that very first part that says, put on the whole armor of God. Mm -hmm. And then we miss the rest of the language that that's not active doing. And so that's why I thought, I just think that this is instead of, you know, like we're Mr. Rogers, you know, and we're, we're putting on our new sweater. It's yes, we put off the old man and we put on the new, but it's, it's that relationship and we're appropriating what we already have. We have this incredible gift in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that is with us all the time. And yet, what do we do when the Christ, ah, all I can do is pray. I don't know what else to do. (laughs) And how powerful is prayer? You know, we, we just feel like, oh, there's nothing I can do in this situation. Or, you know, we default to our own ways of solving problems. We get angry, we get frustrated, we get fearful, we start worrying, we're, we're not loving, we're not kind in our responses to our husbands and our children and our friends and our families. <laughs> you know, we just default to all of those things instead of saying, wait a second, I need to prioritize that relationship with the Lord. I need mm-hmm. to be spending time with him so that he rubs off on me so that I begin to reflect him more and more. And, you know, I I just like to kind of picture instead of the armor being that Roman armor, if we picture it as medieval armor, that knight's armor, and it's just so highly polished that it reflects Mm -hmm. instead of instead of it um, bringing glory to me, it Mm -hmm. reflects the glory of Christ, because anybody looking at it then sees Christ, his image is reflected in that armor that he is he's our our righteousness he is our truth he is our peace he is Mm -hmm. the source of everything that we need yeah amen that's amazing and i'm so thankful that you were willing to share that with us um because it's powerful it's life-changing i just i also wanted to just mention to our listeners um if you read the, the blog, and I'm trying to remember what the date was, but it's been within the last couple of weeks, it seemed a little dry. It was just about cross-references and how we can use those in our Bible study. But Carlene has just given us a masterful example of how cross-references open our understanding of a passage of Scripture. When we use God's Word to interpret God's Word, it makes so much sense. <laughs> 
Yes. 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 And being like a dry and boring exercise actually turns into some of the best studies that you will do um, and makes the most impact in your daily life. So this has been yes, and it's so it's so exciting when you can see it for yourself. When Mm -hmm. instead of sitting under you know a great Bible teacher or a great pastor all of a sudden you see, oh, that's where pastor so-and-so got that idea. And yeah. <laughs> you know, nowadays with all the computer helps that we have, it's you know just a click of a button and we can see, oh, faith is mentioned, you know, however many times and mm-hmm. we can, or shield or sword or breastplate, you know, mm-hmm. like in my study and being able to go and look at those. And it's, you do, you just get so excited that you want to keep going. And, and yeah. that's where it just, it, 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 you know, it just becomes that relationship that we enjoy spending time in the word because we're getting to know our God instead of it being, oh, you know, I've got to spend my 15 minutes, check it off my list. (laughs) Yes, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. It's a joy and we look forward to it. And and then one day you find yourself like me when your children are out of the house and grown up and you've got time and you can actually study. (laughs) (laughs) But then you, you get going and you study and you think, Oh no, I have an appointment in 10 minutes. I got to get moving. If there are any, if there are young moms listening and waiting for that day, Mm -hmm. I, when I was in that season of life more so than I am now, because our first, kids were really close in age. So the oldest one was still six when the baby was born and there's no twins. Mm -hmm. So they were, it was baby, baby, baby. And (laughs) I remember those days of just beating myself up because I could, I literally could not get, you know, 10 minutes in the day, let alone a half an hour for Bible study on a daily basis. And I learned that I could kind of be like a camel. And mm-hmm. in that camels, they, they drink up the water and they store it up mm-hmm. and then they can use it. And when I, when I thought of it like that, and I thought, you know what, usually on either Saturday or Sunday, my husband has a little bit more time. And generally there's a little more time that I can carve out for a good Bible study time, mm-hmm. just with the Lord and I, with my Bible, with my computer, whatever it is. And I can get that good study time in. And then I would write out verses or thoughts on three by five cards and put them in, you know, put them by my kitchen sink, put them by the bathroom mirror. And then as I went through the week, then I could meditate, which we're supposed to be doing anyway, on those thoughts. And I, I feel like I grew so much because I wasn't hurrying through something to check it off every day, yep. but I was getting good study. And then I was contemplating and I was meditating on it and it became much more a part of my thinking because I had the whole week to chew on it instead of hurry up, eat it up, digest it, get on to the next diaper that needed to be changed. <laughs> All right. That's excellent advice. And what a great, great way to do it. And that is also part of my motivation in having this podcast is, you know, I, I hope I want to have listeners from all ages and stages, but for you young moms, if you can just even tuck one earbud in while you're nursing the baby <laughs> and right. just get a little fuel for the for the day, that's a, a step and it's a good thing. So, um, boy, I just appreciate your time so much, Carlene, and thank you for sharing these ideas and, and your wisdom with us. 
Now, I had asked Carlene before we started recording if this was available in print, and she said that she would be able to email this study to anyone who might be interested. So I'm going to let her give you details about that. So I just have a traditional email account. It's Carlene, spelled with a K and it's lowercase, K-A-R-L-E-N-E, Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-R-E-E, at gmail.com. And if you just want to shoot me an email, I'd be happy to send you the Bible study. I have it in a teacher's format that has all the answers in it, as well as a student format so that you can fill out the the questions and then you can look to see what, what I thought were the right answers, but you might come up with something different. Yeah, very good. Very good. Thank you for making that available to our listeners. Well, we've enjoyed our time with you today, and it's about time to say goodbye. Would you be willing to close us in prayer? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. This has really been fun. Great. Thank you. Lord, we praise you because you are such an amazing and good God, and you desire to have a relationship with each one of us. Lord, I think now of all the different ladies that will be listening to this podcast, and we pray that it would be something that you can use in their lives to encourage them in their relationship with you, that you are are the truth, you are the righteousness, you are our salvation. And through you, we have that opportunity to have peace with the God of heaven. We pray that this would be something that you would use for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Think Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Please visit us at our website, www.thinkbible.online, to learn more about our ministry or to take advantage of the resources we have there for you. That's www.thinkbible.online. You can also find us at Facebook. Instagram or Twitter with the name Think Bible. Until next time, let's all think and live biblically for the glory of God.